Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast and Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast, the pastor of St. James Catholic Church in McMinnville, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now, today's podcast. I want to talk a little bit about that first reading, Moses in Mount Sinai. Uh, there's a word to describe it. It's called theophany. It comes from Greek. And it's God appearing or God manifesting himself, making himself known in some powerful way. And it's something that was the experience among several in the Old Testament as well as many in the New Testament and many of the saints throughout the ages, how God reveals himself to his people in some powerful way. And I was thinking about how in our own world that God continues to do this. Uh, the problem is, is that we can easily put ourselves in a situation where we aren't fully realizing how he comes to us and therefore we're not experiencing him like he wants us to do. In my own life, I have to admit that I come from somewhat of a scientific worldview. I come from a very pragmatic kind of lifestyle um, I'm one who tends to analyze and think things through. I'm not really what you would call the, the big mystical, spiritual kind of person who's you know, constantly experiencing you know, mystical and spiritual things. But, but I can say that in the course of my life that God has manifested himself to me in, in several different ways. Uh, one way is just you know, kind of how I was built, that uh, I love to think about things of God and discover uh, how he is and his greatness just by the way things are. And creation is one of those things. Uh, actually, even now I'm reading a book about how improbable it is that we are actually here. The, the way that the laws of physics have come together when there were all these different ways that they could have worked where the universe should not really be here if you're taking probability into account. In addition to that, the mere fact that there is life and it's so complicated as it is in order for us to be intelligent life and to be able to ponder things, it's so almost infinitely impossible, yet here we are. There was one statistic that was used in this book and it was talking about the probability of it all happening on accident and the analogy was it's one in the sheer number of all atoms that exist in the universe. You know, so it's not like a one in ten kind of thing. It's like a one in, you know, who knows how many. You can't even get your mind around those numbers. And as I was reading this book, uh, I do get lost in the physics and the math and all this sort of thing. But one thing that's totally evident is that if it were chance alone, we should not be here. Yet here we are. And that shows us the greatness of our God. You know, so as we, as we ponder things, and not just when it comes to creation and science and philosophy and theology, you know, I kind of love getting into there and, and just, you know, thinking about, you know, how great God is, and, and it really is quite remarkable. But it can be as simple as driving down the street, you see those little uh, plum and cherry blossoms and those sort of things, and just seeing the beauty of God's creation is enough for us to see his greatness, that he reveals himself to us in many different ways. Another way is, is through prayer and worship. Uh, several times, and it doesn't happen every week, but several times I'll have an experience of God in the worship. You know, in the Eucharist, in the Word of God, something strikes me, something hits me, 
uh, I have an overwhelming sense of God's love, his peace, his greatness. And these things happen from time to time. Prayer is an interesting thing because oftentimes you pray and you might be thinking, well, I'm not really feeling much right now. And, and you just kind of force yourself to go through the, the action of prayer. But it is interesting because God doesn't tend to go on a, on a cycle or a pattern. He just, for me at least, it tends to be somewhat random that when I'm least expecting it, then he makes the prayer come alive. And I have seen that in, in several different ways where I'm just not expecting it and all of a sudden there's, there's the presence of God. There was one time in particular, and like I said, I'm not the, the big overly spiritual mystical kind of priest or anything, but when I was praying about whether God was calling me to the priesthood or not, I heard a word called pastor. And I didn't know what the word meant. I, I thought it meant like Protestant preacher guy. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird, but, you know, and, and, and I heard it. So maybe not audibly like, you know, like physically, but I heard it as if it was in my mind very clearly. And so I knew that, well, I need to look up this word and see what it means. And then when I, I looked it up, it said, well, basically a parish priest. I was like, well, that makes things easy, you know. Thanks, God. Usually he doesn't work like that, though, does he? You know, he doesn't usually speak to us in those kinds of ways. Uh, sometimes, though, it, it happens in prayer in different ways. Um, I had an experience of being in charismatic prayer groups. And a lot of times in those charismatic prayer groups, things happen. You know, there can be miracles. There can be manifestations of God's spirit, prophecy, uh, speaking in tongues and different things. And one thing that happens is it's called being slain in the spirit. All it really is is that when you get prayed over, you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence through the Holy Spirit, and there's a certain relaxation that happens, and uh, it's, it's under your control. It's not like uh, something that's, uh, that you have no, no power over, but if you give in to it, you feel this total sense of rest, and oftentimes you'll go down on the ground and just kind of rest for a while, then you get back up. And, and anyway, the interesting thing about it is I've seen it hundreds of times, uh, but I have never seen anybody actually hurt, which is surprising. You'd think that people falling over would, would be something that would cause injury, but I've never seen anyone injured. Well, there was one time actually after Mass here that someone said, you know, I'm going to be going to Mexico. Can you pray over me, Father? And I'm like, sure. You know, so I, without thinking, I just kind of laid hands on her head and started praying on her, and then she went down, right? Well, this is right after the 5 o'clock Mass, which is, you know, kind of our older English Mass. And anyway, quick, call 911. She passed out, you know, and, and, and I'm trying to tell the uh, the ladies over here are real concerned. I'm like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And they're like, what's wrong with you, Father? Look at her, she's on the ground. And I'm like, eh, she's okay, don't worry, she's fine. I've seen this a hundred times. So eventually she gets up and she leaves. And how did you know she was okay? And I'm like, well, you know, things happen in the spiritual world, right? <laughs> so prayer. God manifests our, himself to us in prayer. Another one is Miracles. And there was a good friend of mine, he took a trip into Africa, and he was saying, I never experienced so many miracles until I went to Africa. And then he was thinking about later, and, and what he came to the conclusion was, is that in the United States, we don't think we need miracles because we have everything we need. And so we're used to just kind of doing what we need to do in order to get what we need, and, and we're pretty self-sufficient. But in the places he was going in Africa... They depended on miracles. And so God responded to their need. And he was just saying how incredible it was. But 
I do have to admit that over the course of my life, I've seen several miracles, uh, sometimes healings uh, that should not have happened. Uh, there are times when I've gone out and anointed people with anointed people, not annoyed people. Okay, anointed people with uh, the sacrament of healing that, that in the moment, um, I wasn't necessarily really even into it. But later on, there were, there were times like one in particular I'm thinking of where, where she was actively dying. Uh, but then I never heard anything. And so after a few days, I called her sister and said, Whatever, what happened to your sister? I never heard. You know, is there a funeral we're planning or something like that? She goes, oh, Father, you didn't hear? She's totally fine now. I'm like, really? She was dying. You know, it's like, okay, well, that shouldn't have happened. She goes, yeah. Well, none of the doctors understand it. No one understands it. But I, you can call her if you want. So anyway, I called her and talked with her. So anyway, those things can happen. And anyone who says that miracles are not possible, you've got to live a little more. You know, because they're all around us. And sometimes because of our scientific worldview, and like I said, I'm one of those, but we don't want to be so fundamentalistic in our scientific worldview that we deny the possibility of something that's all around us. And, and even the kind of miracles that are the everyday, you know, like a birth of a child and these sort of things that, that really are miracles in, in their own way, that, that God works through the natural order, but sometimes he goes beyond that, and, and it's not always something we recognize even in those moments. Now, sometimes God manifests himself in ways that, that are kind of long distance. You know, we don't recognize it in the moment. It's only over a long period of time. I, I, I'll use an analogy like when you get a suntan, right? You, you may not notice it in the day-to-day that you're getting darker and darker as time goes on because you've been in the sun. Um, but you can look back and you can say, oh, wow, I was kind of white here, and now look at me. You know, it's like when we were kids uh, back in the days before skin cancer recognition, you know, Grandma would say, okay, kids, get out there and play. And we'd go out all day, and, and by the next couple weeks, we'd be a whole lot darker. But there's no magic moment that this happened. So God manifests himself to us in those ways, that there are those times in our lives where, in hindsight, we can look back and we say, wow, look, God was present in all those moments, even when I didn't necessarily feel him. You know, even when I was struggling or when I was, you know, filled with joy in this moment or that moment, that there was God all along, and you can see it looking back, even if you don't always necessarily see it in the present. So my point in this is that God reveals himself to us in many different ways, but, uh, but there is some cooperation with this. And, and part of that is, like, if you look at what happened with Moses, he didn't just camp out at the bottom of the mountain. He had to make the effort to go to the top of the mountain and he had to make the effort to actually, actually recognize what was in front of him, this, this burning bush. God spoke to him as a sheep herder and as someone who was brought up in, in Egypt in a way that, that spoke to him in his own particular culture and language. And he knew that, well, this bush should burn and be done, but it's still there. And this fire, which can't be controlled, is, is being contained in this way, but not consuming. And, and it was what he needed in the moment to be able to understand that, that was the Lord revealing himself to him. And then God spoke and gave him his name, I Am. So we don't necessarily realize what that means, but in Hebrew, it's not just saying, yep, it's me. You know, it, what it means is, I am who am. 
I am all that has been. I'm all that will be. Uh, that the future and the past and the present can't contain me. I'm greater than all things. So in a very simple word, it really did reveal something about the greatness of God. And Moses recognized that. And he moved forward from that. And of course, ultimately, we know the rest of the story that the, he was instrumental in bringing uh, the Israelites into Israel. And God worked powerfully through him. Now, in the gospel, of course, Jesus is also talking about this relationship between God and his creation. And if it's true that God manifests himself in our world, there is the follow-up question. Well, what happens when bad things happen? So Jesus is bringing up two things in particular. Pilate sent people into a crowd and killed them at random so that he could control the Jews in that day in that particular moment. And actually, Josephus even wrote about that. So Jesus was referring to that. He was also referring to a tower that fell and killed a bunch of people. And at this point, the people were looking at that and thinking, oh, well, those people suffered a tragedy, so they must have sinned in some way. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not a consequence of sin. That, that there is, of course, uh, sometimes a connection with sin. Like, for example, if I go out and I'm drunk driving and I get in a wreck or something like that, well, it's a consequence of my sin. And ideally, you could even look in these situations and you say, well, that was the sin of Pilate who ordered that killing to be done, or that it was a consequence of those construction workers that didn't build the tower correctly and so it fell. But the people who received that, it wasn't their sin. And so this is what Jesus is getting at. We can't make a direct correlation or connection between something that we suffer and a particular sin we may have committed. And I know it can be tempting because we want to have a reason for something happening. Like, why did I get cancer? I must have done something wrong. No. Odds are you didn't do anything wrong. It's just kind of the way things are sometimes. It's a consequence of free will. And it's also a consequence that creation is not quite as it should be. Interestingly enough, uh, I mentioned the the priest that went to Africa. And, and he also was mentioning that the, the people there who were struggling and suffering and depending on miracles, that they had no question about the power of God and his existence. But what's interesting is the intellectual academics who kind of dismiss God, they will say, well, there's suffering in the world, so God must not exist. Yet they are protected from it because there they are in their ivory towers surrounded by um, you know, success and everything else that, that, again, they don't need God, so they're projecting onto everyone else that, well, gee, they're so miserable that God must not exist. But it's interesting that the people who are in that situation don't have the same perspective. Anyway, something to keep in mind. I think, once again, it really comes down to our willingness to see things as God sees them. And when Jesus is referring to uh, the question about suffering, well, first it can be recognized that suffering happens, that it sometimes is a consequence of sin, sometimes it seems at random. The world's not quite as it should be. But what is our response to that? And you notice that's what he's doing. He doesn't just go off philosophizing about it. He says, and you know what? They are not guilty. It wasn't their sin. But this should be a reminder to all of us that life is short. And what we do with this life is important. And we should repent. Because if we repent then we might actually help people who are struggling or suffering or who need our help. 
rather than just sitting back and, and speculating and philosophizing and, and then just counting God's action in the world. Well, maybe God's calling us to act, right? So if that's the case, then God has the answer and he wants to use us to bring about his effects. Also, the other thing is if we repent and convert and start living a godly life, then we'll notice that many of the tragedies that happen just won't happen because uh, we will be living in a way that, uh, that is, is beneficial to us and, and to others. And even if we have those tragedies that, that seem random and disconnected to all things, you know, those hurricanes and the earthquakes and those sort of things, that at least we realize that with God, that even if we die in this life, there is the life to come. There is the answer that comes from our God. So this might seem like it's a, a little deep for a regular Lent homily, but, but the point is, is that God is great. And sometimes we can dismiss that. And I think one of those things that we have to do as Christians is, is maybe grow up a little bit and take our faith as adults and, and really see the many ways that God enters into our world, communicates with us, and calls us to something greater. Because that's what the Christian life really is all about. It's being attentive to the ways of God and responding to him. That he reveals himself to us. And whether we have uh, the, the childlike faith and we can simply see his greatness by looking at the cherry blossoms, or we can get lost in philosophy and theology and miracles and all that, God has a way of communicating with every one of us according to our own personalities. So be open to that. Look for the ways that he comes to us and then respond as people of faith. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week. And so at this time, let's prefer.